if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is underway at 11 minutes past 10 o'clock. A little late start because we had a little late out, but that was uh, something I will not apologize for. Congressman Jim Jordan, always good to hear from him. More of Jordan is better than less of Jordan. It is a Monday, the 10th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord 2020. We are guest-free in hour number two, so dial now, 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you in. And if you don't want to wait to get in, I have been uh, refraining from promoting social media because our big tech overlords do not deserve the advertising. But I do want to give you another opportunity to reach me. So if you want to comment on what we're doing on Twitter or Facebook, you may do so, and I'll read the good comments on the air. When I say good, I mean relevant, not because I agree with them. But uh, Twitter and Facebook, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, France Radio. And I look forward to hearing from you in one way or the other. If you want to comment on what we talked about first hour, you can do that. If you uh, want to get into something new, we can do that as well. Just for a quick recap, for those who didn't hear our number one, teachers don't want to go back to work in the classroom, they say, because they're scared of the COVID-19 virus being transmitted from young children who very rarely have the virus and who even less frequently transmit it to adults. In fact, no evidence at all that they can or have. Um, but they also don't want to teach online. The reason they don't want to teach online is because they're afraid that parents are going to be listening. And the parents are going to wake up to the indoctrination going on in the classrooms. One teacher, uh, Matthew R. K. in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Science Leadership Academy, with a series of four tweets over, uh, well, I guess it was on Friday, Saying so far, so this fall, virtual class discussions will have many potential spectators, parents, siblings, etc. We'll never be quite sure who is overhearing the discourse. What does this do for our equity and inclusion work? How much have students depended on the secure barriers of our physical classrooms? How many of us have installed some version of what happens here stays here to help this? While conversations about race are in my wheelhouse and remain a concern in this no-walls environment, I'm most intrigued by the damage that helicopter-slash-snowplow parents can do in honest conversations about gender and sexuality. And while conservative parents are my chief concern, I they're worried about you. They're worried about me. Because we will not stand for it if we know it's happening. 
I know that the damage can also come from the left. We are engaged in the messy work of destabilizing a kid's racism or homophobia or transphobia. In other words, brainwashing them into wokeness. How much do we want their classmates' parents piling on? In other words, we need to have an opportunity to brainwash these kids into our way of thinking without parental interference. And now that parents can listen to the lessons, they don't want to teach online anymore. How about that? You want to respond to that, you can do that. I also want to get into this. You know, we're constantly talking about the need for voter identification, at least those of us who actually want a fair election. We don't want illegal aliens voting, and we don't want people voting twice, et cetera, et cetera. And we talk about the need for voter ID. Um, that may be a little bit difficult if we have no earthly idea whether or not IDs are legitimate. And what I'm seeing, what I mean by that is counterfeit documents are giving criminals a license to commit a host of offenses because of phony identifications being smuggled into this country from China and other countries. Nearly 20,000 counterfeit U.S. licenses were seized at Chicago's airport, O'Hare Airport, in the first half of 2020 alone, according to a newly released report. Driver's licenses, 20,000 counterfeit driver's licenses. They included, uh, were included in over 1,500 overseas shipments from China and Hong Kong, others from South Korea and Britain. The uh, CBP, that's the Customs and Border Protections Officer, uh, Office, CB, uh, CBP Port Director Ralph Piccarilli said that these counterfeits made mostly for people in their 20s are very realistic looking. These licenses can lead to disastrous consequences. Criminal organizations can use these counterfeit IDs to avoid attracting attention to their illegal activities. And again, if they can be sold to individuals who can use them for a variety of things, including potentially committing voter fraud. So there's all kinds of issues here with respect to that. And if you don't think that this is a big deal, by the way, if you don't understand how incredibly urgent it is that we stand up to and stop China, then I really wonder whether or not you're paying attention to what's going on in this country. Joe Biden and the liberal Democrats will be or would be a Chinese dream. And I'm talking about the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. It would be their dream because Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden constantly bend and bow to the Chinese. Donald Trump has stepped in, and the first thing he did was slap tariffs on goods being imported from China because of the extraordinarily unfair trade imbalance. The Chinese simply hate Donald Trump. You know who else they hate? They hate most conservative Republicans in our government. As a matter of fact, they just announced sanctions against a number of conservative Republicans for speaking out publicly about China's denial of human rights to people in Hong Kong and others even in China. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, all kinds of conservative Republicans have been publicly sanctioned by China as they complain about their uh, what they call you know, internationally unlawful activities interfering between, you know, in uh, international relations. So Conservative Republicans continue to stand up to the Communist Chinese Party, which poses such an extraordinary threat to the United States in so many ways. And 
guess what the, chi- the, the, the best remedy for that for the Chinese would be? To get rid of those conservative Republicans in power. To vote for and to elect Joe Biden with the assistance of his you know, far-left China appeasers like Nancy Pelosi is already in power, and then the next wave of would-be, could-be powerful members, including the far-left, the socialist squids. You know, the Ocasio-Cortezes and Omars and Talibs, et cetera, et cetera. It's extraordinarily dangerous, and people don't understand that. We're talking about, well, who am I going to vote for as far as lowering my taxes? Who am I going to vote for for their stance on abortion? Who am I going to vote for for the stance on police? All of those things are very, very important, and I get that. But don't be a one-issue voter. Understand the danger on, on in an international-slash-foreign policy front as well. China is attacking the United States daily. And one of the ways is through these thousands and thousands of phony IDs, phony driver's licenses being smuggled into this country. It's something that the Democrats would welcome because it will benefit them and only them. All right. Uh, I said we were going to have open lines. Let's do it. Let's go to Eric in Kirtland. You're on AM 1420. The answer, Eric, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I wanted to share with you, um, my wife and I have a business, and when all this craziness started, uh, we had an agreement that if we had any of our clients that we're going to support by uh, through putting a sign out for BLM that we were going to consciously choose to uh, separate doing work with them and very respectfully say that we just support our country. We don't want to have that happen. Mm-hmm. So as fate would have it, we had a physician, essentially, that we work with um, who had you may have seen the signs that say, uh, in this house we believe, and then it has the whole litany of the progressive movement. I don't know if you've seen that around town at all. Yes. But the very first line on it is Black Lives Matter. So yes. I, call, I called her and basically said, you know, I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. I'm a very patriotic American, and respectfully, I'm not going to do business with someone that supports an organization that's trying to tear our country apart. Leave her the voicemail. Does it? She doesn't have the courage to call me back rather sends my wife what I consider to be a rant in the form of a text message saying how avid a supporter she is of law enforcement. Um, you know, all, all the details I won't take your time to go over. But I just find it laughable that someone could use as a defense for having that sign up that they're a huge supporter for law enforcement when Clearly, everybody knows that BLM, at, at a minimum, even if you say that you're going to defund the police, everything that you support, everything that she claimed that she did for them uh, would be they would be negated. And I was, I guess, shocked and not shocked in the fact that she didn't have the courage to face me verbally and make an argument for her stance versus just simply, um, you know, I think it was just a, a safe way to send out a text message, um, but it just really spoke to me about the typical talking points and more so either I'm going to yell you, I'm going to try to yell you down, but I'm not going to try to reason with you to try to justify my stance. And in my mind, if you put a sign out, then you own everything that I have a Trump sign in my front yard. I have, I have U.S. flags in my yard and I'll stand to the desk to support all of that for what I believe in. So I just find it cowardice that somebody would put a sign up like that and then not uh, 
make a, a proper argument as to why they support it. Well, that's because they know they can't defend that argument, Eric. You're a thousand percent right on just about everything that you said, especially if you're going to put that sign out there, then you own it. You own and you stand by what it says. You, like you said, you have a Trump sign, you'll stand by your support for Donald Trump, and if Donald Trump does something, you'll make the argument on his his behalf, etc. The flag, etc. Yes, uh, and it is cowardly to not engage you in conversation and to discuss and debate what you said, to send a rant to your wife that you can't respond to, uh, it's, it is cowardly. But my friend, that should not be a surprise to you. It might be frustrating to you. Should be. But it shouldn't be a surprise to you because by their, their very existence, leftists are cowards. That's why when they encounter a bunch of people who can defend themselves in places like Colorado, when Antifa, the far-left organization, runs, uh, runs into, that, uh, uh, into that state and into those cities to try to commit more damage, they won't confront anybody who can defend themselves. Instead, they attack somebody in a wheelchair. That's why they find an old woman who's saying, please don't set that police station on fire, and they throw paint on this old lady and then scream and berate her. They are, by their very definition, cowards. They can't defend their positions, so they yell and scream and don't give you an opportunity to respond. They pick on the defenseless because it's who they are and it's what they are. I'm so sorry you and your wife are experiencing what you are, but I'm glad that you told us about it. We'll be right back. France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. 1027, let's get a couple of more calls in here before the bottom of the hour. We'll go to, who's been waiting longer here? I think Nancy in Cleveland has been. Nancy, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. This is little Nancy. Shout out to TJ. Um, I would just like to talk about the public school indoctrination because I am a public school teacher. Okay. And... Uh, you mentioned, I don't even know that kid's name, whatever. He should be fired first off. But this is top down. The administrators are giving us these professional developments on implicit bias and microaggression. So we are, we are sitting in these professional development sessions and being told, this is how you have to think and this is what you need to do. I'll give you one example. We were in a professional development last year on microaggressions is what it's called. And we were told that we were not allowed to say he or she anymore or address an audience as ladies and gentlemen. I literally, I looked around and everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And an old teacher who's probably been teaching for like 50 years, God bless him, he raised his hand and he said, excuse me, why can't we say ladies and gentlemen? Do you know that most of the teachers in that professional development go, oh, he's so cute. I just, I was fuming. I was fuming. Because people are falling for this narrative. So I just want to let you know that this is top-down. Oh, I know it is. Some people are starting to fall for this. I know it is. Well, they don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. That's the thing. I mean, I don't know exactly what your school board is like or what your administration is like, but if you don't fall in line and nod along and say that the old guy with his antiquated notion of males and females being, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, then, then you are, you are in trouble. You, you, if you're not nodding along, then you are like the cute old guy that they mocked. And, uh, and, yep. and while he can be excused because of his age, you can't. You are just closed-minded. And how dare you not uh, understand the wokeness of the situation? 
situation. Uh, teachers don't have a choice. You tell me. Do your administrators push this stuff on you? Do your teachers, union representatives, uh, tell you that you've got to go along with this? Because that's that's what I know is happening. So parents, please, please talk to your children and be vocal with the teachers because this is not accessible. And as a teacher of 23 years, I, I've just had it. And like you said, if I say anything, there will be backlash. You're in trouble. So what yeah, I you... do is I just I just teach. That's what my dad always told me to do. He said, just teach. And that's what I do. Well, uh, good for you. And thank you for the call and for kind of uh, you know bearing witness to what we're talking about here. And I'll say it again as we go into the news here. If there is any silver lining whatsoever to be found from the coronavirus, perhaps it's this, that online education, virtual video instruction from teachers to students, can give parents who are able to listen in a window into what's going on in the classroom. And you can actually listen to your children being brainwashed. And now that you know it, perhaps you'll be in a position to do something about it. If there's any silver lining, this would be it. And that's why so many of these liberal uh, indoctrinating teachers don't want virtual learning any more than they want in-person school learning. They don't want parents interfering with their brainwashing of those children. I've got more on this and more of your phone calls right after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer, now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. 10.36, 24 minutes of outstanding awesome left on today's broadcast. Be a part of it at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I want to follow up on the last caller for a moment uh, who wanted to follow up on my story on the leftist indoctrinators who are in charge of your children. And if there are any teacher, or excuse me, if there are any silver linings to the um, coronavirus, it's the fact that teachers are being exposed because they have to teach online in certain cases, virtual teaching, video teaching. The kids aren't the only viewers slash, you know, uh, listeners. Parents might be listening, and that terrifies the teachers. They're worried about teacher or parents hearing the indoctrination, hearing the brainwashing, and then interfering with that mission. I read you the tweets from the uh, Philadelphia teacher from a science academy, no less, teaching the exact opposite of science, of chromosomal, biological, anatomical, physiological science, and teaching about transgenderism and uh, uh, racism and all kinds of other things. Um. There were some responses to it that you should hear as well. This is why, says Marjorie Bloom, whose Twitter account features this, parenthetically after her name, Marjorie Bloom, she, her, hers, teacher lady. So she wants you to know what all of the pronouns that should be used for her are, as if there are any others that can be. And she writes, this is why I am planning to use chat as much as possible rather than voice. It's why uh, uh, asynchronous works better for my students. It's important that they still have the opportunity to share that information in a parentless way, in a space that parents can't see. I could stop right there and my point would be made. 
these teachers are doing something that they are ashamed of. They are doing something that absolutely cannot be justified, and so they hide it from the parents. I remember a day when the true education of a child used to be first and foremost the responsibility of the parents to be aided and assisted by teachers who would give them the actual um, instruction they needed on reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I don't mean to be oversimplified on that. Of course, there are way, you know, more, uh, far more instructive topics and subjects than that now. But you understand my point. You know, I, I needed my teachers to do the parts that I can't do because of my fact that I'm a, I have a job and the fact that I have many other things and I cannot be the sole instructor for my kids. And I'm talking about in years gone by. So I need the teachers to do the math and I need teachers to do the English and the grammar skills and I need teachers to teach the history as it happened and was written, not as people wish it to be. I need my teacher, I need teachers to teach the kids the scientific principles. Teachers were supposed to fill in the gaps in terms of the overall education that the parents could not. But the parents are largely in charge of the education and the well-being of their child. Now, in 2020, or in this era, in this time, liberal teachers and, and indoctrinators feel like it's their job to cut the parents out of the loop and to indoctrinate these kids on what they know to be right. Wokeness, social justice, the rewriting of history, the elimination of actual science, as well as history. Hell, even the elimination of grammar. I told you about what uh, Rutgers University is doing. The English department at Rutgers University isn't going to rely or uh, uh, require rather students to actually use proper grammar because that's racist. Because some minorities don't speak with proper grammar and proper English, and so we have to accept the way that they talk is the new normal. And this is this is this has gone beyond what even a lot of people felt and feared that it would. Another reaction to the science teacher from Philadelphia, Lindsay Rogers, tweeting, quote, I've been thinking about this too. R.E. pronouns, I was going to ask students via survey who I could use their pronouns in front of. But what if caregivers view that survey and students aren't out to them yet? So there are a host of things wrong with that little two-sentence tweet. Number one, she can't even call parents parents. They're caregivers. She won't even allow parents the title of being parents of these children caregivers and then secondly the idea that young children aren't quote out to them yet what age does this woman teach i don't know but the idea that children don't know what sex they are and don't know whether or not they're gay or straight we can't ask them what pronouns they prefer because they may not have told their parents what pronouns they prefer yet so we have to now now we can't do that because i can't you know because the parents can see what we're teaching and hear what we're saying another one from mx antoinette another teacher responding to michael k or i'm sorry not michael matthew k uh, about uh, being concerned about parents listening in If you administer it via Google form or a multiple choice Zoom poll, you can protect the responses. Smiley face. In other words, protect them from prying eyes of parents. Don't let the parents see. And then finally, Stephanie, another teacher, 
replying to this, saying, quote, While in science we don't touch the more sensitive topics, I like to keep a non-judgmental space. My answer is, I will not have these discussions. I need my job. Parents are dangerous. Also, virtual ed will not create the interpersonal relationships to allow the safe space. Whew. So this teacher says, I can't do the job that I want to do in brainwashing these children because parents can hear and, quote, parents are dangerous. Also, virtual education will not create the interpersonal relationships to allow the safe space. In other words, the space where we cut, cut, cut parents out of the loop. The space that is just for teacher and student. Just for brainwasher to brainwashee. To indoctrinator to indoctrinatee. We can't do that virtually. So we're just not going to try. Parents are dangerous. I ask you, if you ever went to a school board meeting in your public schools where your children attend, and a teacher stood up and said, parents are dangerous, what would your reaction be? If you ever went to a parent-teacher conference, and your your child's teacher sat there in front of you and said, I'm not going to tell you what we're talking about in school because you're dangerous, dad, mom, caregiver, You're dangerous to your child. I am good for your child. What I am filling your child's head with is good for your child. You, Mr. and Mrs. Parent, are dangerous for your child. Would you accept that? I'm telling you right now, I don't know what school your kid goes to, but it's happening there particularly if it's a public school, but not exclusively because I know a lot of Catholic schools, including the biggest boys' Catholic school in the diocese and the largest girls, all-girls Catholic school in the diocese. And you can figure out what those are. And the far-left indoctrination that is going on in those places I promise you, there are some, if not a plurality, of your kids' teachers who feel like they have to keep their private conversations and lessons, or excuse me, their conversations and lessons with your kids private because they view you as being a danger to them. You better wake up, mom and dad, if you're allowed to be called that. Vince is in Westlake on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Vince, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Good, Vince. Uh, great show as usual. Um, and you kind of just dovetailed off on what I wanted to speak about as far as the meeting that we had, the get-together uh, on Saturday morning with Jack Windsor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Jack spoke out in uh, Amherst. I was hoping to be able to attend, right. but I had to get yeah. my daughter to an airport to the airport, and I couldn't do it. But uh, sorry, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, uh, sorry you missed it. It was good, but it was you know, once again, what we're talking about, being informed about what our kids are learning, being informed about what we're seeing about coronavirus, being informed about what we're seeing about Antifa and Black Lives Matters and riots and on and on and on. And the, the, the common theme, the thing that he hit on, too, is the fear, the fear that's being generated by everybody, fear of speaking back to these teachers, fear of speaking out against coronavirus issues. 
the whole nine yards. And the question I asked him, he really, you know, really pondered it. I said, you know, when you're talking to the governors and you're talking to these different people about all these, you know, what 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 is the end game in all of this? Where does all this end? Where does the shutdowns end? Where does the riots end? Where does the when do we stand up against these teachers as parents? I have a I have a son in a uh, an East Coast college university that I'm sure is getting fed the same crap that you're speaking about uh, with all these teachers. And I, I guess my my point continues to be: When do we, the silent majority, the parents, the, the people that are driving, you know, the the economy, going to work, taking care of things, living law-abiding life, when do we stand up and say enough is enough? This has got to stop. These school boards have got to pay attention to us. The doctors, the people that are making policies need to pay attention to us. And, uh, you know, that was a common theme that he was speaking about and everybody was feeling there that feels like it's coming, you know, sooner or later. Well, there's, 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 you know, the answer to your question, the answer to your question, Vince, is now. I mean, literally, you say, when is enough enough? The answer is now. And, and people absolutely need to be. This is not a, you know, not not a suggestion anymore. This is a this is a command, not by me, but by your children and your children's future. They command you to take action. You have to attend school board meetings. You have to, and right now they're probably all virtual, right? Because nobody's allowed to come into a crowded room. So you've got to log into these virtual school board meetings. You need to be heard, and you need to spread these messages with every other concerned parent that you know. Because, again, the numbers will, will hold the key to all of this. You need to have dozens of parents requesting speaking time at every school board meeting. Challenge them. Call them out. Find out what is going on. And more importantly, more importantly, you need to go to your kids and you need to find out exactly what they're being told, what they're being taught, and what they're being told about being silent. Right now, the teachers have them for seven uninterrupted hours a day. And that's a long time to try to convince them that they are their friends. They are the ones that need to be protected, uh, or that uh, the kids are the ones that need to be protected from those parents who just don't quite understand them and don't quite get it. They're establishing a relationship with your kid that you may not have and that you need to have. And so you need to find that trust factor with your kids and make sure you know what is going on. Then attack it at the school boards, school board meetings. If not in in one on one confrontations slash conversations slash conferences with your teachers, um, Tommy's in Parma Heights next. Hi, Tommy. Go ahead. Yeah, getting getting to the teachers, um, <clears throat> first responders, uh, caregivers, people on the health front, truck drivers. None of us had a choice as far as since this whole coronavirus thing began, whether we went to work or not. Teachers, let alone what you've been saying, teachers shape our future. Why do they have a choice? Well, they, they, to be honest with you, Tommy, I thought you were going to answer your own question there. I thought it was rhetorical. So thank you for the phone call, and I will answer it. Uh, why do they have a choice? They should not, if they truly believe that they are essential. If you think that education is an essential um, uh, aspect, if you will, of our communities, then they must go to work. They don't have a choice. If they feel like they do have a choice or should have a choice, then they should get out of the profession. 
Because education is essential. As I said, back in the day, if you will, and I sound like old guy here, but seriously, you know, there was a time that I can remember in which parents and teachers worked collaboratively to help educate kids. Now, teachers are cutting the parents out of that loop. But either way, they are, it is an essential profession. It is much more essential than the Walmart checkout girl. And this is no disrespect to her because you know what the Walmart checkout girl is doing? She's showing up for work. She's not saying, oh, I could get sick. I might encounter somebody who's touching the food that I have to run across the scanner and handing me money and credit cards that I have to touch. I could get sick. I could die. I can't come to work. All of those people are going to work, but the teachers can't go to work and stay six feet away from their kids? And their work is supposed to be essential? If you feel like your work is not essential, resign. Resign your job so that it can be filled with somebody who cares about it. We'll be right back. Okay, final segment out ten fifty five. Let's get a few more phone calls in. Dave in Lakewood, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, you're talking about the way these children in the schools are being victimized. I think if you stop and think, what is one of the largest, most liberal, radical organizations in this country? You may be shocked, but not surprised. When you know who I'm talking about, the teachers' unions. Sure. These kids are being victimized by the, and I'm, I'm including, I'm a graduate of that school that bounced two religion teachers because they were, quote, too conservative. You know where I'm talking about. I know exactly what you mean. West 30th Street. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So let's, let's, uh, let's bring them all in this. And I'll tell you another thing, maybe this is throwing dirt. I used to play tennis at Lakewood Park, and I have a thing about teachers' organizations. Some of them, and not I know a lot of fine teachers, but they had this air about them. I, feel, I always think, hey, you may be a teacher, but back off your horse. Being a teacher doesn't mean you're smarter than the rest of us, so back off. That's what I got to say today. Well, you know, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks so much for the phone call. Uh, you know, and I want every teacher that's listening to know we are not talking about everybody. If you are not a part of what we're talking about, if you're not indoctrinating your kids, if you're not calling parents the enemy, if you're not trying to change these kids' lives away from what their parents are trying to help them grow and develop into, this, then, then please disregard what we're talking about. If you want to be in the classroom and do the right things the right way, and you know that your job is essential, God bless you and thank you. This is not all teachers, but this is, as Dave said, the teachers' unions that are driving most of this. Uh, TJ next. Go ahead, TJ. Hello, Bob. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, You know, first I want to do a shout-out to little Nancy Beck, uh, one of the most intelligent people I know, and if I ever had a daughter, I would have been proud to have her as my daughter. Now, saying saying that, I have a friend who's, I watched his daughter grow up, one of the most level-headed girls you'd ever see. He told me recently, one year at Kent State, I don't know my daughter. Another friend of mine down the street put a flag up on 4th of July. His teenage daughter come home and tore the flag down in protest. said, I didn't raise her like that. That's what they're doing. And, you know, this has been going on for a while. Remember when Hillary Clinton wrote her book, It Takes a Village Idiot to Raise a Child? Yeah. 
And I don't want to go biblical, Bob, but people talk about what's the most un- uh, the unforgivable sin. In my mind, it's poisoning the mind of a child. This has to stop. And if you're going to stop it, the best thing to do is when these levies come up, take the money away from them until they start teaching our children in the proper way and stop indoctrinating them. Once it hits them in the pocketbook, then they'll start coming around. Uh, this has got to stop. Well, I'm glad you brought up levies, TJ. I'm glad you brought up levies because I'll say, thanks for the call. I'll say this. They, they better remember this. Every single one of these teachers saying, no, I don't want to go back to school. It's too dangerous. Oh, I don't want to catch COVID. It's too dangerous. If you feel like the Burger King worker who is working during COVID is more essential than you, then do not come to the property owners for new taxes, new tax levies next time that one is due. Do not come back and tell us how extraordinarily essential it is that you get all of this new money because it's so essential when you weren't essential enough to work during the, the pandemic and all these other people are. All of these store workers, restaurant workers, airport workers, all of these people who are doing jobs, encountering the public, putting themselves in perhaps more dangerous conditions than you in your sanitary school ever could be. And yet you don't want to go to work. You don't consider yourself to be an essential employee in an essential business called education. If that's the case, do not come to us with your hands out. The next time there's a levy renewal or you want new money, we'll remind you, nope, it's just not essential. That's where we're going to have to leave it today. Thanks for the calls from everybody. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan who joined us. Thanks to uh, uh, Andrew and Marcy who ran the show. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, tomorrow, Peter Kersenau will be with us. You're not going to want to miss that. Be with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a great day.